Welcome to Stay Grounded with your host, me, Raj Jana. I'm the founder of Java Press Coffee Company, and my life changed after my mentor died with three months left until retirement. That experience inspired me to start a personal journey to discover how we can all live a purpose-driven and meaningful life starting today. I interview everyone from best-selling authors and business moguls to extreme athletes and monks to discuss happiness, success, and fulfillment to uncover powerful takeaways that empower you to stay grounded and make passionate living a reality. To access post-podcast discussions, insights, and further resources, visit rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded. So thanks for joining me today. Now, let's get to grinding. Yo, yo, what's up, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Stay Grounded. I hope you are all having a brilliant day so far. I am, like, blown away at the opportunity that I had to have a conversation with this week's guest, and I'm so excited for you all to get to know a man with so much heart, with so much love, and such passion for life, Mr. Dwayne J. Clark. So Dwayne is literally one of the most interesting people I think I've ever met in my life. Just to give you some context, I mean, he's a filmmaker, he's an entrepreneur, he's an investor, he's an experienced creator, he's an artifact collector, he's a speaker, he's a producer, and he's also the CEO of Aegis Living, one of the most sought-after assisted living facilities in the country that owns 30 senior living facilities in the U.S., employs more than 3,000 staff members, and to date has served more than 60,000 residents, and his life's being turned into a Hollywood movie. So one of the things that actually drew me to Dwayne and why I really wanted him on the show was how he's got such a unique sort of flair for infusing passion into the life of his senior living facilities, like the people who stay there and and really creating a culture that allows them to experience more out of life. And that's one of the things I just really loved about Dwayne. Not only is he super passionate and purpose-driven, but he's driven by a heart of service. And as somebody who has done everything from business to parenting to community and impact, He's really blazing a trail for purposeful living that touches everyone in his wake. And I love the idea of legacy. And I love that Dwayne is really the interview, uh, one of the last interviews of the year that gets to really touch on that that topic of what does it mean to truly leave a legacy? And as we're going to learn in this episode, the legacy is not necessarily what you do. Your legacy is not necessarily the things you create. Your legacy is left in the way people remember you and the feelings that they feel when they're in your presence. And I mean, this episode was so rich and it's very rare that I get somebody with so much experience in life come and share their wisdom on the show. I mean, we talk about everything from the most important gift a parent can give to their child. How do you start living a purpose-driven life? What Wayne Dyer taught Dwayne about parenthood, which was one of his personal mentors. What Dwayne hopes to inspire others through his presence. And really just life lessons from a renegade from a renaissance man and from an individual that I'm really grateful for a chance to have gotten to experience fully uh, on this show for all of you to enjoy. So enjoy this episode. Uh, If anything on the episode touched you, reach out to Dwayne. He leaves his contact information, I think at the end of the episode. Tell him what you felt, tell him what you experienced and enjoy a man who has truly, truly, truly not left anything on the table. And I think that's one of the best legacies you can leave behind. When you truly squeeze every drop out of life and you never let fear and the fear of, of rejection, the fear of the fear of the world looking at you a certain way to stop you from following the voice in your heart, you have lived your legacy. And in today's episode, Dwayne shows you how you can achieve that for yourself. So enjoy it. If you haven't already subscribe to us on iTunes. All that means is that every single time we release a new episode or create any new content, it drops straight into your inbox. 
And uh, let us know what you think about this show. If something came up for you, share it on social media, tag us, and, and really make this yours. I mean, these episodes are chalked with so much wisdom from people that you normally don't get a chance to peel behind the covers on. So, um, yeah, enjoy it. And I hope you guys are taking the time in December to really be with yourself and wrap up a crazy year and, and celebrate making it through. You know, a lot of times you find who you really are in the struggle, in, in the chaos. And even if it doesn't feel comfortable, it doesn't feel as um, as light and airy as we would like it to. Sometimes those years are the ones that allow us to truly step into the fullness of who we are. So, all right. But without further ado, here is the incredible and, and just inspiring Mr. Dwayne J. Clark. Enjoy. Yo, yo, yo. Welcome, everyone, to this week's episode of Stay Grounded. I hope you are all having a wonderful day so far. I am so excited to be sitting across from this incredible human being, Mr. Dwayne Clark. How are you? Good, sir. I am awesome, Raj. Thanks for asking. Telling you earlier before we got on live that I was having a lot of fun thinking about the potential directions that our conversation could take. And I'm just really excited to, to dive into it with you. I'm just going to dive right in. One of the things that interests me most about your life is how you have such a passion for really increasing the quality of life for elders and in the senior living space, but you bring such a zest for the present moment through the passions and the storytelling and the things that you do every day. How do you sort of teach that dance to individuals that are in that second afternoon of life? Maybe they've just retired. They've Mm -hmm. kind of moved on to this next phase. Like, how do you, it's just as a personality and as your own sort of passion, how do you bring in that sort of zest for the present moment while also honoring the fact that there is a limited time that we're going to be alive on this planet? Well, I think, I think I've had 60 or 70,000 great oracles that have been my teacher in my life. And those have been the, the elderly people that I've helped care for over the past 35 years. The one thing that everybody says when you're 83 or 85 or 90 or 105 is they, they wake up and say, tomorrow's not promised, right? So today, this moment, this second, right now, you get a, you get a choice. You know, you can live in joy. You can live in the present. You can live in harmony. You can live in happiness. Or you can live in a life that's kind of ugly, right? But you have that choice. And it's not to say that we don't all have pain and misery. And God knows COVID has poured that, showered that misery upon us. And I was just talking, feels like he's on a, a prison house arrest, right? And yet, by the same token, hey, I have my health. I'm looking out on a beautiful sunny day with snow on the ground. I get to see life through the lens that I want to see it. And if we choose to look through the lens that's cloudy and dark, that's how our life's going to present. If we look through the lens that's clear and rosy, that's how our life's going to present. And I'm a, I'm a big believer in manifesting. I think you can kind of manifest what kind of life you want to have and what direction it's going to go based on your attitude, based on the kind of people you bring in, based on the energy around you, all those things. So I guess I'm giving you a long answer to a short question, right? I don't know. I like long answers, especially when they're short questions. So was there a pivotal moment in your journey that allowed you to sort of internalize that that shift in the power of choice? Or was that something that was sort of 
beaten into you over time just by lessons and consistencies over the years? I think we all have many, many pivotal moments in our lives, right? And at some point we start to to knit them together and go, wow, that led me to this, and this led me to that, that led me to this, and so on. And you know, I have I was raised by a single mom. I was the youngest of four. We were a very poor family. And, you know, everybody defines poor differently. Like, God, you know, I didn't have the new Jordan, so I was poor, right? I mean, poor, like, we didn't have food. Like, you know, we, we, there was a story about me when I was young that we had my mom, who was a cook in a restaurant, and she, she would call it stealing. She called it borrowing. We had to borrow 10 pounds of potatoes from the restaurant she worked in to make potato soup and live on it for a week. That was a pivotal moment for me. In fact, we formed the pivotal we formed the Potato Soup Foundation 20 years ago that now feeds people and helps people in times of poverty or desperate need. So I think sometimes people grow up, especially young people, I really want to speak to them, the 15-year-olds or 16-year-olds or 18-year-olds that listen to this. You can look at your life and say, man, this sucks, right? This is happening. That's happening. I don't like my teacher. My parents are jerks, you know, whatever. You can draw on that perspective. I think as you get older, one of the things that you tend to appreciate are the things that are most painful, right? Mm -hmm. Because that causes scar tissue in you that you go, oh, God, I never wanted to be poor again. I went to the University of Poor. I I know what it's like. I had the teachings. You know, I I had all those learnings. And guess what? It created rocket fuel for me to go, I'm getting the hell out of the University of Poor. I want to distance myself as far as possible from that area. That was a gift. You know, whatever your belief system, whether you think tragic things that happen to our life, you know, the loss of somebody you love, the getting fired, getting divorced, getting hurt, you know, whatever it is, my perspective is always, what's the big guy trying to teach me here? What's the learning here, right? That's how I've gotten through COVID because I'm like, hmm, Okay, well, I'm spending a lot less money. Maybe I was too materialistic, right? I'm not shopping mm. as much. I'm not, maybe, you know, the big guy's trying to teach me, hey, just be present. Now I'm spending more time with my wife, my kids, my grandkids. We're having really meaningful conversations. Maybe he's trying to teach me to slow down. I'm focusing more on my health. Maybe, maybe I wasn't paying enough attention to my health. So in all these these dark moments. My, my mom used to have an expression. Sometimes we have to walk down the long, dark tunnel before we get to the brilliant light, right? Well, with COVID, I think we're walking down this long, dark tunnel. There's going to be light. We have to persevere. We have to walk the tunnel. You know, The tunnel's not going to get shorter just because we want it to. And yet, when we get to the bright light, there's, there's going to be some rewards that our lives are going to be different. That's the gift in all this. And you know, somebody that's listening to this like, ah, oh, that guy's BS. I promise you, I promise you, if you you just keep persevering, keep moving forward, there's an incredible gift on the end of this. What I find most fascinating about your journey, and as I'm hearing you talk about the Potato Soup Foundation and even your sort of drive to beat poverty, it's almost like the next steps or the next creations or the next passions that you've chosen in your life were almost presented to you after you had a realization or you connected a dot in your life around like, oh, this is the path that I want to take. How do you choose what the next thing is that you want to pursue? Like, is there a, are you spiritual in nature? Do you, do you have spiritual practices that allow you to connect with what's next? Do you journal? Can you just share some, some practices or processes around like, because literally you do a million things and it's amazing. 
And so I'm curious personally, even just how you choose your creative endeavors and how you know that it's the right thing to do in every moment. First of all, every morning you get up and you decide, am I going to be a victim or a victor? Every morning, every, everybody has this choice. I don't care if you're incarcerated in prison. I don't care if you, know, you have a life-ending illness. I don't, I don't care what it is. Every morning you get up and you say, am I going to be a victim or a victor? And so you, you start that morning with that attitude. The first thing that I do when I get in the morning is I give three gratitudes. Great at this morning. I'm, I'm in my ranch in Montana right now. I'm like, oh, my God, it's so warm in here and it's so cold outside. Thank you for giving me this beautiful, warm house. Then I looked outside and then, you know, I can see snow for miles. I'm like, God, that is a beautiful art. You know, that snow on the ground. That's like, God, it's a blue sky and it's sunny out. And that's incredible. Thank you for that. You know, so that frames my mind right then. Bam, you know, five minutes out of getting out of bed. You look at that and you go, okay, now I'm framed, right? Instead of getting up and going, oh, God, it's cold outside. Oh, crap, you know, I don't want to go out in the snow, you know. So you got to frame your mind in the right position. These are just computers, right? How we program that is how it's going to affect our outcomes. Second thing I do, and I, I did it right before I got on this call, is I do 20 minutes of of meditation and deep meditation, right? And I, I find that my body needs that, my spirituality needs that, my brain needs that, my creativity needs that. And sometimes during meditation, things will just pop up in my brain, like, oh, you should be doing this. Or, you know, it's almost like people are speaking to me, you know, oh, why don't you do this? This is the natural step for you, right? And I know that sounds a little airy-fairy or hokey-pokey or whatever. What do you think that man, voice is? I don't know. You know, I, I, I grew up Catholic. We don't go to church every Sunday, probably go to church five times a year, but I'm very spiritual, right? And so I meet with a lot of spiritualists that guide me and so on. In fact, I'll tell you a funny story. I have, a, I have an 86-year-old spiritualist who's phenomenal. Her name's Glennis. She, she kind of works on you and touches you and tells you about your history and your past and past lives and so on. Yeah. So she's working on me when this is about three years ago. She's working on me one day and she's she's like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And, you know, when somebody's working on you, and they go, oh, my God. You're like, oh, shit. What's what's the problem? Here? What's going on? You know, did you find something? Did I have a tour? You know, and she's like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And I'm going, all right, Glennis, I, I don't want to interrupt your energetic moment here. But what what's going on with you? What what are you finding? And she's like. I'm just seeing these flashes of your success and, you know, how you're going to motivate, you know, thousands of people and how wealth is going to be bestowed upon you. And, you know, you're going to have all these great successes. And I immediately went to my ego self, right? I'm like, God, I really played this hand well. I've been really smart. And, you know, before I got like the second sentence out of my mouth, she goes, whoa, 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 whoa. I go, what? What? She goes, this has nothing to do with you. Mm. I'm like, what? She goes, you're just being used as a, as a vehicle and given the things you're given so you can teach others. Wow. That, that was like, Ooh. boom. Yeah. Shiver up my not, spine as I heard that. Yeah. Yeah. And so that brought perspective to me. Right. Cause I, I mean, I own a company that has over $3 billion worth of real estate. I, you know, I employ almost 3000 people. I, I have all the material riches of life, but that's not my purpose. That's not my journey. My journey is doing things like this, where, you know, I can talk to 
you know, whether they're kids or a 70 year old who just retired about where are you going? You know, what's what's up with you? And I try to tell people this is about your living artifacts. People say, what what the hell does that mean? What's living artifacts mean? Living artifacts is really about doing something on this planet that lives longer than you do. So whether you build a building, whether you write a poem, whether you're into music, whether you write a screenplay, you do a movie, do pottery, whatever. These are your living artifacts that said, hey, I was here and this is my contribution that I made to society. That's that's how I live. Right. So when you say, God, you know, you do so many things. I'm just using myself as a vehicle to create my living artifacts to show people this can be done. I was really given the gift of having a mother, even though we were dirt poor, that said, you can do anything. You're you're probably going to be president of the United States one day, you know. And so when people talk to me about what's the most important thing to do for parenting, it's always one thing. Give your kids the gift of confidence that they can do anything they want, anything. You know, I I wrote a, I co-wrote a play. I never written a play before. You know, I started writing books. I've written seven books now. I've never written books before. I, my last book was a Amazon bestseller. You know, you just do these things. And I started a film company. I've made thirteen documentaries. You know, so people are like, and it's always funny, it, which really motivates me to no end. People are like, what do you know about that? You know, I don't know a lot, but I'll tell you what will happen is that I will throw myself into this. And I will read everything. I, I will be tofu and absorb everything that's thrown at me. And I will do a wicked job of this. Everybody's like, oh, yeah, right. And then I love, love, love proving them wrong, right? That's mm-hmm. the motivation for me, you know, it's because I'm, I'm very goal-driven. So, you know, if somebody tells you, hey, you can't do that, what do you know? That should be the gauntlet that's thrown down and go, oh, I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you what I know. Now, that that doesn't come with just words that comes with commitment and hard work and passion and, you know, putting in the hours, man. And, you know, you're not going to be a Michael Jordan because you say, Hey, I wish, I wish I could dump the basketball. You're in there because it's, you know, you're doing your 10,000 hours of repetitive business to, to, to get better at that. So people say, well, what's the next journey? How the hell do I know? I, you know, when it comes to me and it moves me and I'm impassioned by it, I'll do it. Right. And I'll do it well. One of my mentors this week actually gave me this quote. He said, Raj, stop trying to drink the coffee before it's brewed. And we're all <laughs> trying to figure out what's going to happen. I was trying to figure out what's coming up next with this election. Things are changing. Like what's next? Like what's my purpose? Really trying to figure that big picture thing out instead of allowing the pieces to just show up and each thing to be the catalyst and the step to, to step into the greatest level of service that, that I can step into. And I think. I would love to talk about purpose actually as a as an idea as a concept. Most people aren't living a purpose driven life. Like it's not something that they're they're living into. How can one if they're interested and if that's a calling that they have to live with more purpose in life, how would you suggest that they begin that journey if they don't have maybe the resources that that you may have or if they aren't at a place where they can even think about that stuff yet because they're paying their bills or there's problems in life. Like how can one kind of live into more purpose when maybe they like just as, as, as a starter kit, if you would. I'm going to answer that a couple of different ways. Cause you, you've used the words stairs or steps a couple of times now. And I, and it's, that's important to me because when I counsel young people, I, I talk about the staircase effect. 
And what I mean by that on the staircase is, you know, if you think of a staircase, it has a lot of steps, maybe 20 steps to the top. The mistake that people make is maybe they're on the second, you know, step and they're looking to the top and they say, how do I get to that, to that top step? You know, how do I get to the 20th step? That's a trap. That's a mistake. Because there is no way to get to the 20th step. You're not going to leap from step two to step 20, right? And so what I tell people is look at the step you're on and then look at what the next step is, what the natural progression is, right? And that's how my career has been guided. Is like, oh, well, the next step is this. And then the universe provides that next step for you. It may not be exactly in line with the last stair you took, but the universe will bring it to you if you focus on what that next step is, and it'll come to you, right? And that, that is so effective. Too many people are like, I want to be a billionaire. I want to be a pro athlete. I want to be a rock star. Don't think like that. Because that's, that's looking at the top step of the staircase. Look at what the next rung is, what the very next step is. So that's, that's the first thing I would say. I think, you know, when people think about purpose, often we get misguided by our parents, our teachers, our friends, whatever, in terms of what we should be doing. Oh, do this because there's a lot of prestige. Do this because, you know, it's, it makes a lot of money. Do this because I always wanted my son to be a doctor, right? So we get all this advice that has nothing to do with really our passion. And so I had a, a, a nephew that came and lived with me. And, you know, he was, he was a little bit lost. And I, I told him, you know what I want you to do? I want you to go travel the world, even as a pauper, go live in eight-color hostels. But for one to two years, just go travel the world. And your passion will speak to you. You're going to get different cultures and language and arts and foods and religions and economies and politics. You're going to learn all these things that you never learned in school. And, and believe me, he wasn't wealthy. He was as about as poor as you could. But, you know, he worked a few months, saved up. Two or three thousand dollars, bought a year rail pass, and and just did it right, and then joined a, a church group that did work with people, and they provided his housing, his food, and everything else. He had no money, but the experience he got out of this, the the and what we fail to do is listen to our heart's passion. You need to provide a clearing where you can hear. God, that made my heart sing. Right. And we get too focused on the noise. You can't really hear your, your heart speak. And so what I, I teach a lot of meditation and to my staff and others. And, you know, one of the exercises I tell them to do, I'll do a guided meditation with them. And I said, okay, I want you to ask your body what's ailing it. Okay, we're going to go into this meditation. You're just going to say to your body, body, I love you. I want you. I need you please tell me what is bothering you right now. And I said, when you get out of your meditation, I want you to write down as fast as you can everything your body told you. People freak out about this exercise, right? Because what, here's what happens. They're like, oh, my left toe is hurt. God, my right knee's in pain. Oh, I got a pain in my kidneys. They'll write down 18. I've had people write down 30 things before, right? Now, what is that indicative of? What's it indicative of is the fact that we don't listen to our bodies, just like we don't listen to our hearts, right? We're so caught up into the noise of what's going on in life and where we're going, and we're not present. And again, that's one of the gifts that COVID has given us, is it's given us this gift to be present and in gratitude and listen. 
Well, even when it's uncomfortable, right? Especially when it's uncomfortable. I found that this year, learning to be present inside of all the emotions that are showing up, whether it's fear, it could be gratitude, it could be joy. It's a prickly feeling and it's not something that we're taught to do as as human beings, unfortunately. And I, I want to really touch on, I think you said it was the universe will give you the next step. Personally, for me in my life, like there's sometimes been a lot of fear that the universe actually has my best interests at heart. This year has been a, a super difficult year for me. I've had a bunch of deaths in the family. There's just a lot that's kind of happened for me. And like, it's just kind of trying to make meaning of it all and, and, and trying to figure out like, why now, why this, and why would this happen? And, and, it, and it's tough to almost see the silver lining, especially when you're so close to something happening. It's been a really big question for me this year. Like, does the universe actually have my back? Is this next thing that's showing up actually something that, that is best for me? So how do you navigate and learn to trust the flow of life and trust the fact that whatever's in front of you is worth being present inside of? Well, I, th- I think the universe brings you mixed bags, right? I, I think... And again, this gets into whatever your spiritual belief is. I think we are on this planet to learn a variety of things. And the universe keeps throwing those things at us until we learn it. If we don't learn it, we're going to get keep getting taught that lesson, right? And that's the painful shit, right? And so, you know, like I have a, a family member that doesn't know how to deal with money, right? And so... Every time I talk to that family member, it's like, oh, money, 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 money. And I'm like, what have you done to change your situation? Well, what do you mean? Well, have you gone to credit counseling? Have you reduced your spending? Have you downgraded your quality of life? I mean, what, what have you done? Well, no, I haven't done any of that stuff. Okay. Well, the universe is going to keep teaching you until you learn. And I really believe that, right? That's, that's why you have to ask yourself, what's the learning here? And they're, they're you know, a couple of years ago, I knew a family that lost this small child in an accident. They're like, what could, they poss- what could the universe be possibly teaching me? Those are difficult situations. I don't claim to be some guru or whatever, but there is some lesson there. There is some lesson of teaching there that will make your life better. As horrible as that sounds, horrible as that sounds, but there is some lesson for you to move through life in a more productive manner. Yeah. Have there been experiences in your life? Like what have been some of the the low points for you? And in those moments, sort of how did you maybe evolve spiritually to really get to that place so that you could move forward? Like, could you talk maybe just from your own experience? Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, I've suffered from depression, anxiety, all those things. I, I had a phone call from a young man that I've mentored for geez, probably 20 years yesterday. And he's He's kind of a, a preacher. He's not a formal preacher, but he's, he's a religious zealot, right? And he's trying to save kids that, that are thinking of committing suicide, right? And he, his goal is to preach the gospel to these people. And again, I'm not an overly religious guy, but I, I dig his mission. You know, I, I, I dig what he's trying to do. And so I shared with him a, an experience where I was on a really dangerous doorstep of not thinking life was cool with me in my early 20s and a variety of stuff going on in my life and my family and so on. And, you know, uh, I had not shared that story with a lot of people. Within two minutes, he was sobbing. And the point of telling him that story was that, you know, when you get in these dark times, 
I think there's a plan for you, right? That leads to something really quite spectacular. It's kind of like walking the coals, man. You know, you're, you're walking over this thing saying, ouch, 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 ouch. These, these are the painful things that are causing that scar tissue that gives you the resilience, gives you the power, gives you the reserve to go, I can handle that. I, my first career out of college was working in a maximum security prison. That was not a fun job. I was a correctional officer in a maximum security prison that was rated one of the top five prisons in the United States in the 1980s. So I saw people murdered. I saw people assaulted. I investigated people who were raped or molested. Horrible, horrible job. It's not the kind of place that you go home and say, oh, it was a great day at work today. You know, never, <laughs> never did that happen. Ever, ever, ever. But there was a great learning for me in that, right? And so I remember one time there was a riot. And uh, during this riot, I mean, the, the inmates had essentially taken over the prison and they were going to kill anyone that was in the way, any staff that was in their way. So these two inmates that were reasonable said, Clark, go lock yourself in the shower. So I went and locked myself in the shower. And so, you know, there's bars that couldn't get to me, but you know, there's like 30 guys threatening to chop off my head, rape me, kill me, whatever. Not a fun day at the office, right? This lasted for a couple hours, right? And I use that when I have something bad happens or I have a bad day or a bank gives me bad news or, you know, a deal doesn't go through. And I'm like, well, God, it's not like that time in 1981s where those guys wanted to chop my head off and rape me, you know? You know, you could look at that and go, oh, God, poor me. That was a horrible situation. It created scar tissue for me that I can use in a way that's productive in my life. And so now I can move forward and go, hmm, this is not as bad as that. And I think when we have horrible things that happen in our life, they're there for um, elevate our present. They're there so we can step on that and say, I can rise above this current situation because I'm stepping on the scar tissue of the past. I can rise above this. I have the, the fortitude to do this. I have the willpower because I've, I've got through these things. And, you know, I have nine grandchildren and they range from uh, uh, 13 years down to one year. And every year we have what's called the Grandkids Academy because my greatest fear in life is these kids, because I have been successful, are not going to have the pain of the world to allow them to be successful. So I want them to be hyper-conscious of that. I want them to have some of their own pain. Now, you know, every parent and grandparent doesn't want their, their offspring to have too much pain, but enough pain yeah. that you can say, this is going to build a survival skill in you that you're going to use later. And I'm, I'm terrified that they won't have enough. And that, that makes me very focused. That is a beautiful perspective. God, there's so many, so many angles I can take with you. I mean, like, this is awesome. I kind of want to play there for a little bit, actually, before I go to my, my other question. But I'm curious, how do you create environments? Like, are there things you teach your grandkids that allow them to have a healthy relationship with pain and suffering? How do you encourage them and to change their mindset or to have a mindset that allows them to meet suffering and pain with more grace, humility, and presence? Well, a lot of it is the conversation that you and I are having right now. So, I mean, with my grandson, I'll say, hey, are you, are you going to be a victim or a victor today? What, what are you choosing? 
And, you know, when you get to be a 13, 14 year old, like, eh, I don't know, eh, you know, that's kind of the <laughs> yeah. language is, eh, eh, I don't know, Poppy, you know, they call me Poppy. But I, you just got to keep drumming, you know, you just got to keep hammering this issue home and say, okay, what are you going to choose today? Because really, the, the choice is yours. You can say, hey, I'm living in, a, in splendor, or you can say, hey, I'm living in my own hell. But keep in mind, you're either going to build the gates to your palace or the gates to your own hell. So you know, you're the gate builder. So you, you got to wrap your brain around that. So I think, I think that's a lot of it is just creating perspective for people. And I think modeling is so much of it, right? Because if, if, if you grew up with parents who were miserable, you're going to be miserable, right? Because that's what you know. That's, that's the thing about parenting that most people disengage with. They, um, I have this expression that I love to use with my friends. I said, don't you hate it when your kids do what you've taught them to do? You know, don't you hate it when your kids do what you've taught them to do? You know, because the kids will do something and, go, and the wife looks at you and go, well, that's, that's you. That's you, Dwayne. And you're like, I know, but I hate it. Well, well, shit, don't model it then. Don't, don't yeah. give them that lesson. Don't, don't put that out. In front. And that's very hard to do, right? Because we want our kids to be better than us. We want our kids to learn from our lessons. We want our kids to be a different kind of person that doesn't have our flaws or our weird idiosyncrasies. So again, you have to be super present with that in terms of how you educate. Because our kids all go to the university of our parents. You go to the university of your parents, and then you have this epiphany. I remember when I went to college, well, maybe right after I got out of college, I was in my 20s, I went, I think my mom's really screwed up. You know, I, all these things she told me, I don't think... I don't think they're true. You know, I, I, I think she's kind of broken. I adored my mom. I love my mom. But you have this epiphany like, well, that's bullshit. That doesn't really exist. You know, that's and that's when you become your own person. Right. That's when you, you, you assemble your own belief systems and you assemble your thinking and you assemble your own values and your own hallmarks. And that's that's when you become an individual. You've learned a lot of lessons from your your mom. I've heard you mention her a few times. Were you close with your dad? Yeah, my dad kind of abandoned our family when I was about six years old. And between the time I was six and the time that he died, probably saw him about seven times. He died when I was, uh, let's see, died in two, when I was about 50, 51. Saw him seven times between six and 51. So not not a close relationship. And he was... He was not a good man. He was abusive and a drinker and not ethical. And so, again, people say, oh, God, you were raised by a single parent. Poor you. I'm like, yeah, that, I was awesome. I, I wouldn't want that guy to be, you know, my parent. But by the same token, do you know who Dr. Wayne Dyer was? Yes. Yeah. So Wayne was a mentor of mine. And uh, I remember calling him one time. He, Wayne died about three years ago. Phenomenal man. And I was talking about my dad to him and, and I was being a, a victim and I was saying, Oh, my dad, he was abusive and he used to beat my mom. And, you know, he never gave her any money, never paid child support. He goes, God, what a phenomenal guy. And I'm like, well, you're joking. Right. And I went on and he's like, God, he sounds like an incredible man. And I, I'm like, okay, where's this going? You know? Yeah. And so as I, I, I kept going down my victim mode. He goes, Dwayne, are you a good father? So, yeah, I'm a phenomenal dad. You know, I really try to be a great parent. He goes, where'd you learn that? I said, well, I suppose my mom taught me. He goes, no, your dad taught you. I go, Wayne, 
you're not hearing what I'm saying about <laughs> this on, guy. <laughs> are, are you listening to a different station here? Because I told you he's abusive. And I, he goes, yeah. He said, you, you parented in, in the reverse. Mm. I said, tell me about that. And he goes, yeah, everything you despised about your father, you did the opposite. And he taught you that to do that. He taught you that lesson. Now, you may not like him. You may not like the way he lived his life, the values he had, the hallmarks he had, the ethics he had. But he taught you how to be a good dad. And Wayne came from a, you know, a, a dad who was very similar to mine that in essentially dumped, dumped him off at, a, at an orphanage. He's like, I'm an incredible dad because of what my dad did to, to me. So, again, this is that choice between being the victim or the victor. You know, what do you choose to do? And that that was one of those epiphany moments where I just said, you're right. You're right. You know, I would never abandon my kids. I would never leave them economically starved. I would never leave them emotionally starved. I would never do that. And that's because of the influence my dad had on me. Mm, Such a powerful reminder. I remember like when I, before I started my first company, I used to be a petroleum engineer and I just started dabbling into entrepreneurship on the side. And I had a mentor who worked about 37 years at the same company, die of a heart attack three months before his retirement date. It wasn't in his life. Like it wasn't the way he lived his life that inspired me. It wasn't the way that he showed up to work that inspired me. It was in his passing that I learned the biggest lesson I needed to learn is that tomorrow is not guaranteed. And I think that like, at least for me and my limited experience of life, I feel like there's that duality. Like sometimes you learn the lesson from the thing. The lesson you actually had was the opposite of what was trying to be taught. And, and it's almost like you need to reframe. And that's what we get to do as human beings. We get to make that meaning and we get to lean into that meaning and then allow it to define our lives. And the choices you've made as a result of your father have led you to also probably being one hell of a granddad. Like, and, and it's influenced thousands of people, if, if not more. And so I think that's so beautiful. And I want to really also kind of talk about, you've collected so many lessons over the years from so many different mentors and so many different walks of life, whether it's different careers, different creative endeavors, different philanthropic endeavors, different failures, different successes. How do you sort of remember the lessons that are worth living into? Do you have a, a set of principles that, that are guiding your life that are consistently being sort of developed? Or, or I mean, how do, you, how do you remember all of all of the things that matter most? You know, that's a really good question. I've never been asked that before. I like to share a lot about my most vulnerable moments. We have an expression in our company called management by vulnerability. I like to talk about those, right? About growing up poor, about having to steal potatoes, about having bad credit, about, you know, struggling with my weight, about uh, going through a bad divorce. I like to talk about those. Part of the reasons that I like to talk about them is that I want to relate to people, right? Again, I've been blessed with all the material things a person could ever want in life. Too many people right now lead with that. So easy to lead and go, hey, here I am with my Ferrari or I'm on this yacht or this is my private plane or, you know, whatever. This is my 27 karat diamond or whatever. And why that has a, a certain appeal for a certain crowd, it's fishing in a stock pond. It's easy pickings, Right. It's not the kind of connection that I really want to have with people. I want to have a soulful connection where, you know, we have a good cry together, or, you know, that I stimulate something in, in someone's soul. 
or 10 years from now, someone writes me a letter. I, I, I was telling, <laughs> telling my staff last Christmas, 12 people that I fired wrote me, wrote me on Christmas. Yeah. I, I just think that's special, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Sorry. No, you're, you're, you're wonderfully <laughs> good. Thank you. There's something so beautiful about <laughs> impacting people on a, on a one-to-one level. Yeah. Well, I mean, whether they meet the job requirements or not is one thing, but they're people, they're human souls, they're beautiful individuals that I want to have a good life beyond me. Right. And when you get that kind of response that people say, Hey, you know, you made this impact on my life or, you know, you changed my life or you helped me go on to another, you know, that's, that's a living artifact. That's what we're talking about. That's, that's the beauty of this. There's so much. What I'm the biggest lesson I'm taking from you sharing that story is that even if we talk about purpose and our calling and that idea, it's not a not necessarily about what you do. It's more so about who you are. And absolutely. Yeah. And and how you show up for others in every moment. The impact that you leave just through your presence with love and compassion, that indelible mark is the thing that that eventually ends up being the legacy you'd be proud of. I mean that's the story that came for you, even after all the material wealth, all the accomplishments, all the creations. But the thing you remember most is the way that those employees felt and shared the impact that you had on their lives. And I think there's a really powerful lesson in that for all of yeah. us. Yeah. I mean, you know, right now our country is split. That pains my soul because I think, I, I think it takes leadership to unite. It takes leadership to listen. It takes leadership to understand. You know, I just, I just hope we can reach that. Right now, more than anything in our world, we need a huge dose of empathy. Empathy is defined as understanding another person's pain as though it's your own. Mm-hmm. Right? That, yeah. That's empathy. That's super important. Ooh, so in the way that you lead and in the way that you live your life, what do you hope to inspire in others through your presence? Wow, that's a super good question. I want people to believe in themselves. Most people are more powerful than they give themselves credit for, more capable than they give themselves credit for, can do greater things than they believe they can. I think that's super important. And we're all filled with a, a big gulp size of self-doubt. We're all filled with that this huge, huge amount of self-doubt. But it's really believing in yourself. It's that confidence that my mom gave me that is really a gift, right? And I think the young people that are listening to this is that's don't give two snots what someone tells you you can't do, right? Yeah. You just have to persevere. You have to say, well, that's great. That's your opinion. And I don't care if it's a boss or a parent or an uncle or a coach or whatever that tells you you can't do something. You can do it. I, I, a year ago, I celebrated my 60th birthday, and my wife threw an incredible party for me. I had about 350 people who attended. ZZ Top played. Nice. Uh, Macklemore came and did a special tribute to me. He's a friend of mine. James Corbin did a commercial for me. I mean, nice. it was an o- over-the-top so birthday fun, party. Yeah. yeah. But the incredible part of that birthday is that 
um, I did a video called 60 Years of Wisdom. It's on my YouTube channel. Check it out. It went viral. First of all, it, it we will answer this question if you haven't seen it. It's really impactful. Um, it'll, you know, I think out of the 350 people, there wasn't 10 dry eyes in the house. But I think, I think why I did that video is, first of all, you don't get to where you're getting life by yourself, right? So it was a thank you to people that, mm. to helping me on this journey. Second thing it did is I wanted to wake people up and say, tomorrow's not promised, man. Tomorrow is not promised. You live your life in this minute, this second, right here, right today. And the third thing I wanted the video to do was show people you, you didn't have to be cut from one cloth. And that we, we get so stuck in this one aspect of life. And I'm so proud of this video. Again, it's called 60 Years of Wisdom um, on my YouTube channel, or you can Google it. People were so inspired when they saw that, you know, and people made life changes based on seeing it. And uh, it's kind of funny and sad and emotional all rolled into one. And that's what I wanted to do. I, wa I wanted people to say, hey, don't be, don't be a person of one opinion. Don't be cut from one claw. You can be the potpourri of life if you want to be. And that's, that's really the richness of life, right? It's the fact, you know, I own a senior housing company. It's a phenomenal company. I love it. It's you know, one of my greatest accomplishments in life, but that's not who I am. Mm -hmm. You know, I own a film company called True Productions, one of my greatest accomplishments in life, making civil rights movies and other things. But that's not who I am. And I've written seven books, but that's not who I am. So what I am is the potpourri of all these things together. It's the aggregate of all these things that probably there's some messaging that arches over all those things about serving the underdog, doing good, being human, you know, those kinds of things that that's who I am. And so, you know, I just encourage people to, you know, whether you're 70 or you just retired or you're 16 and starting your junior year in, in high school, don't don't be a person of one opinion or a person cut from one cloth. There's the richest of life is really just eating from the buffet of life that's endless, right? If you stop at the green salad, man, life's not going to be that cool, you know? <laughs> I love that. Don't stop at the green salad. That's one hell of a quote. <laughs> Keep going. You'll get to the nice smothered burritos. And <laughs> That's right. And fajitas. <laughs> <laughs> Have it all, taste it all, and feel it all, and be present inside of it all. I think yeah. that's one of the things I'm so inspired by you and just how you do feel the richness of life. And, yeah. I, and, and, there's, and I think that's such an important reminder. You don't need to be successful. You don't need to have all that to truly appreciate the flowers that are in front of you. Well, what is success, right? I mean, mm. we know we know what TV says success is. You know, it's whether it's you have a big booty or whether you have a big yacht or whether you have a big airplane or, you know, it's it's, it's distorted. But success could be just having quiet in your own mind. You know, that could be success. Mm. Success could be the fact that, you know, that you've touched someone and put a smile on their face or motivated them in life. That's success. So don't don't get caught up in the reality TV series of what success is. That's that's all BS. Success is what rings the bell in your heart. That's success, right? And that's all you have to live with. You don't have to live with other people's opinion. When you go to bed at night, you're in that quiet, dark space, and you're closing your eyes. You just have to say, am I happy with who I am? 
that that's success, right? And if you're not, and you wake up and go, well, no, I'm not. Okay, go back to the buffet, baby. Go back to the buffet. It's all there for you to sample. You don't have to be rich. You don't have to do it. You just have to know that that's a possibility. And you have to do it with optimism and positivity and not be, not be the victim. Gosh, ring the bell in your heart. What rings the bell in your heart in this moment? I think like most people, I just love touching people. I, I love touching people. And I, I, I just don't think enough people do that, right? Enough people motivate and touch people in their heart. And to get us through to the next day, we need more people doing that. More people like the Wayne Dyers of the world, you know, that would touch a person, the Brene Browns of the world that, that does it, you know. We need more people like that, that people are just clinging on to this and going, oh, the Oprahs of the world. That says, okay, you, you've touched me, you've moved me, you've got me through to the to the next level, and help elevate up that staircase. You know, God, you, geez, Dwayne, today you got me from step two to step three. I, I'm not at the top of the staircase yet, but you've helped me get to you know to the third rung on the staircase. That rings my bell, and that's that's super important because with that, that's that's a life well lived. Uh, amen. I am. It's, it's, you know, one of the biggest things I'm taking away from this conversation is it doesn't have to be so hard. This idea, this thing about purpose, I've been spending so much time stressing over trying to figure out what is that big, hairy, audacious thing I want to leave on this planet. And it just comes back to touching the person in front of you, giving everything to the moment in front of you, pouring as much love into the work you do and just shining your light so that others can feel it from the inside out. And that's such a simple, inspiring and and just powerful reminder of how we all can make such a big difference by just living into the fullness of who we are. Yeah. Yeah. And don't look at the top of the staircase. I mean, the BHAG is looking at the top of the staircase, right? Yeah. And, and you're not going to, you're not going to magically jump from rung two to rung 20. You are doing this right now, this moment, this second, you're motivating people, you're changing their lives by having this podcast. So give yourself that appreciation, that gratitude, that thanks, and and say, okay, I just moved up one step. I'm just so grateful for this conversation with you. And my my heart is just so full. I I love just experiencing your heart. And I'm Thank grateful you. that you were vulnerable. And I just I know it, it's it's such a gift to be able to experience your wisdom and to be able to ask these questions and for you to show up and share so openly um, from so many different walks of your life for everybody listening. Like I truly, truly, truly am so grateful for your time and and presence and energy. So how can people like be inspired in greater ways by, by what you're doing? (laughs) Yeah. Right. I have, I have a a website called Dwayne, D-W-A-Y-N-E-J Clark.com. You can go there. You can go on my YouTube channel by the same name. You can Google 60 Years of Wisdom, I, I highly, highly recommend you do that. My company is called Aegis Living, A-E-G-I-S Living.com. Now I have books on Amazon. I just wrote a book on health called 30 Summers More. I wrote a book called My Mother, My Son. That was my mom's, my, it's kind of my life story. That's now being made into a Hollywood movie. Yeah, so lots of ways. And if you want to email me, I'm, I'm always open. My personal email is Dwayne, D-W-A-Y-N-E dot Clark, C-L-A-R-K, at A-E-G-I-S, living, L-I-V-I-N-T dot com. So feel free to email me, tell me if you enjoyed this, you know, whatever I can do 
to help you get to the next round. I'm all in. <laughs> Thank you so much, Dwayne. I have one last question for you, sir. Sure. In the midst of your life, all of the things you're doing and everywhere you're going and everywhere you've been, how do you stay grounded? Well, as I said, meditation is a big part of it. I, I think probably the most important decision you, you'll make in life, and I've made a good decision and a bad decision in life, is who your partner is, you know, who you choose to have as your partner in life, right? Because that's the person that you're going to be spending at least 16 hours a day with. And so I'm lucky to have a wife that's I've been with for 20 years that's incredible that still tells me to take out the garbage, Mr. CEO, you know, get, <laughs> get out there, you know, sweep, pick, pick up your clothes off the floor, you know, take out the garbage. So that, that humbles me and we all need to be humble. And it's the people you surround yourself with, you know. I do an exercise that some people think is cruel and some people think is phenomenal. But every decade of my life, from the time I was 40, I write down every friend that I have. And then I write down whether they're friends by history and positive energy or if they're a negative influence in my life. And then the people that are negative influences, and I put them in a column that I say, okay, I'm not going to have a relationship with those people anymore. Now, that may seem cruel or calculated or insensitive or whatever, but we're only on this planet, this spinning ball for a very short period of time. And the influences that you have in your life will make or break you. And sometimes that's even family, right? And so you have to look at that and say, I need as much positivity and support and advice coming to me as possible. What I don't need is is energy vampires that are taking stuff or drama queens or whatever that are sucking the life out of me. And we all have a, 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 you know, a certain capacity of positive energy and life force and everything else, right? So you want to have those people putting stuff in, right? You want to have them fill in your tank and you fill their tank. It's reciprocal. And that's a super important exercise. I just, I, I would invite your listeners to do that and you'll be shocked of like, Oh, hell, half the people in my life are energy vampires, right? Powerful. I just love how many reminders that I personally got, and I know anybody listening or probably frantically writing down notes about that just allow, like there's simple reminders to bring us back to the simple fact that we're on this planet for a certain amount of time. Choose life. Yeah. Yeah. It's that simple. (laughs) It's really that simple. You get up every morning, you're like, okay, what am I choosing today? Yeah. I choose misery. I want misery today. I'll be long. But but you'd be surprised how many people raise their hand for misery, right? Well, they don't even realize they're choosing it. It's like an unconscious choice to just live and accept pain and accept accept that. And there's, you know, so. Well, I just think that's a lack of love for yourself, right? That's not honoring for you as 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 a spiritual human being. If you choose that, if you choose to be abused in a relationship, if you choose to to have lack of self-love, if you choose to have energy vampires, you, you have to start loving yourself more. You got to love yourself more. You are a special human being. And when you realize that, you'll set boundaries for what you want in your life. I have like a million more questions for you, but I just want to respect uh, your time. Uh, and- <laughs> I, 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 I'll come on again if you want. So, Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, I would love that. There's just self-love is one of those conversations that, especially from somebody who's lived so much life as you, I, I would love that. That's, that's a specific area that is just 
that's so important. That's just not talked about enough. And it's, yeah. Yeah. So, but no, I'm, I mean, I just want to again, thank you so much for just being, being as open and honest and vulnerable and, and as giving as you are. But everybody, that is a wrap for this week's episode of Stay Grounded. I'm your host, Raj. This is your new friend, Dwayne. And from us, Stay Grounded. We will chat soon. Thanks for joining us today on this episode of Stay Grounded. I hope you found this interview helpful as you create your own ways to live an extraordinary life. For more resources and support, please visit www.rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded to join the official Stay Grounded Facebook group, a place where aspiring life enthusiasts can connect and ignite passion for life together. My hope is that the positivity, content, resources, and support in this group will resonate with you on a deeper level. That what you hear in our podcast, read in our thoughtful posts, or learn in our courses will empower you to live with intention, uncover true purpose, and challenge the internal dialogues that stop you from being who you really want to be in your life. Again, thanks so much for joining us. Stay grounded.